I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Pity we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this gun with through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. tell you, my heart goes out to everyone in Kelowna, British Columbia right now. They are dealing with a horrible, horrible, out-of-control fire. The city of Kelowna uh, has declared a state of emergency. Get this, the Medugal Creek wildfire. Last night, it jumped Okanagan Lake. I don't know how that happens exactly, but the uh, the fire has jumped Okanagan Lake and uh, thousands of people evacuating. Uh, no known loss of life thus far, thank God. But uh, obviously, the property damage will be uh, horrific. Uh, 20,000 residents in uh, Yellowknife in the NWT uh, have been ordered to evacuate as a, a fire rages out of control there. Now, I haven't heard about Kelowna's fire, I'm sure officials will be blaming global boiling or some such nonsense. But arson appears to be the likely culprit in uh, Yellowknife. How about the death penalty for arson? How about that? Anyone on board with that idea? Melanie Jolie. 
Canada's uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs. Emphasis on the affair. Did I say that out loud? I think maybe I did. Whoops. Anyway, Melanie Jolie, the uh, embodiment of what this country is all about. In Canada, as I always say, the milk rises to the top, and she's the perfect example of that. I mean, she couldn't find Ukraine on a map. And uh, in, in a federal cabinet, which is comprised of uh, dunces and morons and fools and grifters and clowns, she wins the gold medal for dim-wittedness and incompetence. Here's some more of the typical idiocy that falls out of her mouth like rain <clears throat> on a regular basis. Jolie says Canada has been considering a game plan for how it would respond if the United States takes a far-right authoritarian shift after next year's presidential elections. I mean, could she really be this daft? The answer, sadly, is yes. <laughs> yes, she could and she is. If the U.S. suddenly becomes authoritarian under Trump, what does she think is happening in the United States under Biden? Biden weaponized the Department of Justice and is trying to throw his main political rival in jail. Remember how the left in the U.S. had a conniption when people were shouting, lock her up, lock her up at Trump rallies? Lock Hillary up, that is. Lock her up. Did Trump go after Hillary after he won in 2016? Did he send attack dogs in the uh, Department of Justice after her? Was she indicted? No, didn't happen. But Biden is literally trying to throw his political rival in jail. And he's sicking the FBI on parents who get a little rowdy and hot under the collar and upset at school board meetings. They get a visit from the FBI. But Trump is authoritarian, apparently. This dimwit Jolie says, we are currently working on scenarios and suggested Canada has a game plan in mind, but uh, wouldn't go into details, of course. That means she has no game plan. She couldn't possibly have a game plan because she has no clue. Now, get this. She says, in general, there is our game plan precisely to be able to manage what could be a rather difficult situation. She actually said, in general, and precisely in the same sentence. In general, we have a game plan to precisely deal with America moving to the far right. She went on to say, I will work with my colleagues and with mayors, provincial premiers, with the business community, with the unions, with everyone in the country, so that we are ready regardless of the election outcome. Just blather. Just a blathering idiot. We're working with stakeholders. That's another one of those meaningless things politicians say because, well, it's in the handbook, the script that she reads from. So this is really rich. What if Donald Trump is reelected and moves to the far right? University of Ottawa national security professor Thomas Junot, or Junot, says many Canadians might find it far-fetched to talk about Washington falling drastically out of step with Canada. He says, what would have been extremely far-fetched scenarios maybe 10 years ago today are not impossible anymore, he said. Out of step with Canada? 
Imagine the United States falling out of step with Canada like we matter. I mean, what country would want to be in step with Canada? Canada is increasingly out of step with the rest of the world. And the United States during Barack Obama's third term, which is what this is, make no mistake, Canada and the United States are increasingly isolated in the world because about 90% of the world is moving back to traditional values, to customs, faith, and family. Listen to this guy, Juno, a professor of national security. He says, if an increasingly authoritarian U.S. is increasingly unilateral and dismissive of traditional alliances like NATO or arrangements like NORAD, how does this damage our security? Juno asked. Maybe he should ask, how does it jeopardize our security if our crime minister is cozying up to communist China? But never mind. Never mind that. He said another question would be around American intervention in Canadian democratic processes. Already, he says, far right politicians in the U.S. voiced support for the Freedom Convoy in 2022. Ooh, they voiced support for the Freedom Convoy. But I got not, I got news for you, Thomas Juno, professor of national security. There are hundreds of millions of people around the world, maybe billions, who supported the Freedom Convoy protests. And talk about an irony deficiency with this clown. In the same sentence, he's warning about an increasingly authoritarian America under Donald Trump. And then he brings up the Freedom Convoy in Canada, which is a protest uh, against authoritarianism. A protest where uh, elderly people with walkers were trampled by mounted police. Did Trump do that? No. Did Trump freeze bank accounts of people who protested? Did Trump question out loud whether we as a society should tolerate people who refuse to be vaccinated? No, oh wait, that was the liberal government. That was the liberal government here in Canada. It was Trudeau who was lambasted by media outlets around the world for being authoritarian. In uh, September 2021, the Liberals promised to create a Canadian Center for Global Democracy to shore up like-minded countries in an age of rising authoritarianism. Uh, that project has not yet been launched. But get this, NDP foreign affairs critic Heather McPherson said, it's only logical that Ottawa planned for an aggressive Washington. She said Canada would benefit from stronger ties with other allies, even if it ends up remaining on good terms with the U.S. Um, oops, my mouse suddenly froze on me. Uh, Donald Trump, she says, get this, Donald Trump is a scourge on democracy across the world. Frankly, Canada better have a plan for a decline in American democracy. Trump is a scourge to democracy, right? Did he spy on journalists? Oh, no, no, wait, that was Obama who did that. Did he order big tech to censor important news stories that could have changed the outcome of an election? Oh, no, wait a minute, that was Biden. Biden did that. Are these people for real? And this clown, Thomas Juno, actually thinks there's going to be 
a flood of political refugees from the United States streaming into Canada if Trump is elected. If and when Donald reclaims the White House, and if the liberals somehow manage to hold on to power after the next election in 2025, I guarantee you the stream of refugees will be from Canada heading to red states south of the border. We are coming to you live from Greece all summer long and uh, again brought to you by our good friends, the Cretan Dream Resort and Spa. CretanDreamResort.gr for more information. Check out the photographs of this incredible five-star luxurious resort. And you could win a seven-night stay at the Cretan Dream Resort on the island of Crete. Just go to Saga960AM.ca, Saga960AM.ca for contest rules. And be sure to listen every Monday after the news at 5 p.m. When I announce the Greek word of the week, you'll enter that into the contest entry form, Saga960AM.ca. The draw happens on September 1st. One lucky winner, again, will receive a voucher for seven nights, good from June through September 2024 at the Cretan Dream Resort and Spa. Coming up on the show today, the great Greg Carrasco, Host of the Greg Carrasco Show, Saturday mornings, 8 to 11 on Saga 960. We'll be here, last order of business, in hour two. Viva Fry, David Freiheit, popular YouTube and Rumble host, uh, will be here. Wow, this is a, this is already a killer show. Carrasco and Viva Fry in the same show? Are you kidding me? Anyway, I'll get both of these esteemed gentlemen to uh, weigh in on this story. Canada has a game plan if the U.S. takes a far-right authoritarian shift. It is to laugh, I tell you, to laugh. Also in hour two, uh, we'll talk about the wildfires in uh, in Maui and now in Kelowna, in uh, Yellowst- uh, Yellowknife in the Northwest Territories, where, again, 20,000 residents are being evacuated. And, uh, of course, the, uh, the global boiling bedwetters are blaming climate change. Gregory Wrightstone, will be here. He's the executive director of the CO2 Coalition. This hour, the sofa cinephile, Christopher Garitano, will unpack the uh, 1976 Steven Spielberg masterpiece, Jaws, which was recently re-released on Blu-ray in 4K. And uh, I'll also take your calls this hour. In fact, in fact, you can start uh, calling in right now and get on board Beat the Rush 289 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600, join the conversation. But coming up next, now this is somewhat encouraging, I guess. Members of the Conservative Party are going to debate a number of anti-woke policy resolutions during the party's national convention happening next month. Conservative members will debate a policy submission aimed at protecting women's spaces, including sports, change rooms, and prisons. Another policy proposal would seek to have the parties support a ban on life-altering and irreversible gender transition for children and teenagers, while encouraging positive mental and physical health support for all Canadians suffering from gender dysphoria and uh, related mental health challenges. Now, of course, these anti-woke policy proposals are coming from grassroots members of the party. And if... The resolutions pass. They're non-binding. In other words, 
Pierre Polyev could simply choose to ignore these. Elie Cantan-Nantel from True North is next to discuss. The Richard Serrett Show off and running live from Verda in southern Greece for Friday, August the 18th in the year of our Lord, 2023. Facta non verba. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. In just a few weeks, members of the Federal Conservative Party will gather in Quebec City for their national convention. And word has it uh, that they will be voting or debating, rather, uh, a number of anti-woke type policies. Elie Cantan-Nantel is a journalist with True North, and he's here with the story. Elie, welcome back. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Terrific. Thank you. Uh, how did you get a hold of the um, uh, these some 60, as I understand it, 60 uh, policy proposals that will be debated at the convention? How did you get a hold of them? So there's a, a website, a convention website portal with all of the submissions. And uh, given that I have connections in politics, I was able to get a hold of the link that is not uh, found on the main convention website, which allowed me to go and have a look at these um, different proposals. Uh, There are 60 of them that have advanced to convention, including two that will address gender ideology. There are two that will address DEI ideology. There's one that will touch on child grooming, and it says its rationale is it's worried about, you know, far left attempts to normalize pedophilia and call pedophiles minor attracted persons. And there's also two free speech resolution and one resolution for medical freedom, among lots of other interesting resolutions that are being put forward. Okay, and we'll come back to some of these and uh, and sort of unpack them a little bit in in more detail. But first of all, how does um, how does it work at a convention when these first of all, where do these policy proposals come from, and then what is the mechanism for them to become official? let's see, part of the, the, the official party platform. Right. So proposals uh, originate from EDAs. So when a conservative party member is chosen to be a delegate, the, there is a process where people, EDAs and the people will draft up different policies and they will be put into an ideas lab. And from there, people vote on what policies they prefer and the most popular policies make the top of the list. There's also a, uh, 18 regional policies. So the 60 is 42 grassroots policy and 18 that are specifically regional priorities uh, for different provinces. And that is how the policies make it to the roster of convention. Now it's actually a little more complicated from here because not all 60 policies will be on the convention floor on the Saturday. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. 
Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. It will first have to go through a workshop, so they're split into three groups of 20, and a workshop with different people will debate each policy, and they recommend that the top 10 most popular policies then advance to convention. But it becomes tricky because if there's less than 10, let's say there's only eight of these policies that get more than 50% in the workshop, that means that only these eight policies would go. So there's kind of two phases of voting before a policy then gets brought to the convention floor where it is then voted by the whole delegation. Right. Uh, Yeah, it is rather a cumbersome process. And even if, for example, a policy proposal is passed on gender ideology, uh, let's say keeping uh, men from competing against women in women's sports, keeping, you know, dudes out of women's prisons, even if that becomes uh, adopted as a policy, there's no guarantee that it'll become part of the, the platform. In other words, it's non-binding. Pierre Polyev, the leader, could simply disregard and ignore these policy proposals, correct? Yes, exactly. So it is non-binding. An example, it's the same thing provincially. So at the PC party back in 2018, it was a policy resolution that was declaring gender identity to be a liberal ideology. And Doug Ford said, no, I'm not putting that in my government program. And we have seen since then the Ford government embrace gender ideology and DEI and stuff like that. The Conservative Party at the last convention rejected climate alarmism and then Aaron Fu ran on a carbon tax. So Pierre Polyev could very easily, if this passes, say, no, I'm not doing that. While that may have been fine, I think, three or four years ago, given the political climate of today, I think it is a risk for him to do that. I think he is kind of damned either way because you'll have the legacy media, of course, attacking this. And I think the people that introduced this policy know that already. But if he were not to go ahead with it, I think the base would be angry. And we've seen what happens to leaders when the base is angry. So, uh, But yeah, so basically... He doesn't have to actually go and adopt anything that the convention uh, approves. Right. And um, we'll we'll come back and we'll we'll talk about some of these policy proposals. You mentioned you mentioned gender ideology. So uh, they want to protect women's spaces, sports, change rooms, prisons. Uh, This policy was uh, brought forth by the Edmonton Strathcona Electoral District uh, Association or EDA. And uh, we'll get to that and others. Ellie Cantan-Nantel is a journalist with True North, support independent media, tnc.news, tnc.news. Back with more of our conversation right after these. Let's get back at it on News Talk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serrett Show. Welcome back. Coming to you live from Greece all summer long and sponsored by the Cretan Dream Resort and Spa. Cretan Resort, sorry, Cretan Dream Resort, cretandreamresort.gr for more information on this uh, fabulous five-star resort on the island of Crete. Uh, In about, uh, well, just several weeks from now in Quebec City, uh, members from uh, conservative members uh, will um, gather 
uh, from across the country to uh, debate a number of policy proposals. Some of them are can only be described as anti-woke. Um, Ellie Cantan Nantel is here from True North. You know, if, if I didn't know better, Ellie, I would say some of these uh, may, could have easily have come from the the, the People's Party, um, the, particularly this one on gender ideology, um, getting rid of uh, you know mandatory uh, DEI training for for workers uh, and and so forth. It to me, it just I think it highlights a real uh, disconnect between grassroots conservative members and uh you know the 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 the, the party uh, elite or the the party establishment if you will it's it's not dissimilar to what we're seeing in the US with the grassroots uh, republican members and then you've got the donor class and the establishment oh absolutely and look richard before i was a nonpartisan journalist as i am today i used to work in politics and i saw it with my own eyes the insane level of disconnect because you have the lobbyist political donor partisan elite uh, that live in downtown ottawa downtown toronto and their worldview is very different from your grassroots conservative however what i find interesting is some of these issues like the insane gender ideology that cannot define a woman or the racist DEI that tells white people that they're poisonous. Even they think it's too far. And proof of that is I was at a fancy event at the Albany Club a few months ago, and they had Billboard Chris, the parental rights activist there, and these people gave him a standing ovation. So behind closed doors, they actually are in line. But when it comes to it being publicly, so far, not too too much. Uh, my prediction, just based on this issue is I do think they have a good chance of passing and, and kind of shocking some people just because there's such a silent majority on this issue. But you're right that generally there is a disconnect. And I would say the Conservative Party base and the PPC base are somewhat similar, not entirely the same, but they're somewhat similar. But the Conservative Party elite, the Laurentian elite, are very much similar to the Liberal Party elite. They tend to be center right to center to center left so if you were uh if you had to pick one of these uh, anti-woke policy proposals whether it's uh, gender ideology in other words uh protecting women's spaces sports change rooms prisons uh or whether it's um getting rid of dei training mandatory training for you know federal employees and so forth um diversity uh um equity and inclusive in, inclusion i call it um uh, dei should be uh, discrimination exclusion and indoctrination anyway that's another uh, an, another topic for another time but uh if you were a betting man which of these do you think will will become actual part part of the platform uh, that's a good question i would say that out of all of these the two that are most likely to get well, first of all, I do think the child grooming one's going to pass because this is not ideological. It is not the type of groomer language that they use to uh, towards you know teachers that are maybe trans inclusive. This is actual child grooming, right? So actual pedophilia that will pass, I think, easily because ninety nine percent of people in society oppose that, and I think one hundred percent of conservatives would oppose that. I think that 
the out of the gender ideology ones, I think that the first one about female spaces is less controversial than the second one, which is about banning child transitions. I feel like that is definitely more of a hot button issue because with the first one, you say, oh, we'll just have an open an open category. Maybe we'll have a third bathroom, right? The issue is easily solved. For the second policy, it is a lot more complicated, I think. When it comes to DEI, I think that the first one will passes. The second one, it would become more of an issue of do we, the government, should tell private companies what to do and what not to do. Uh, and then the free speech ones will probably pass as well. And this is just based on my personal observation of prior convention. But that being said, I, I, as a journalist, I'm not in the business of telling a Conservative Party delegate how to vote or not to vote. This is just kind of my feeling based on the conversations I've had with conservative insiders and based on what has happened at the previous two conventions. Right. So, again, protecting women's spaces, including sports, if uh, as you say, that that passes and becomes part of the conservative platform, they win the next election. Does that mean, you know, we're not going to have to suffer through this nonsense where we have a male power lifter obliterating all of the female powerlifting records uh, or we don't have to suffer through, uh, you know, a, a man on a woman's rugby team injuring opposing female players that will that would stop under a conservative government. So as we previously discussed, this is non-binding. So Mr. Polyev has no obligation whatsoever to include this in this platform or to enact it as a government. However, I think it's important to note that this issue is changing by the day. It's similar to how the uh, opposition to restrictions and vaccine mandates during the pandemic started off as being a rather small group, and it became mainstream over time with the Freedom Convoy. And then a conservative party was forced to go along with it and i think we may go there and the reason why i say this is in the united kingdom at first this was only the tories not actually no at first the tories in the uk the uk conservatives were actually supportive of gender ideology then they flipped and then the pressure became on labor and now the labor party leader has actually come out and said no self-id is not the way to go and a woman is a adult female person so if we look at the trends in the uk the trends in the united states I think one could easily bet that in the next few years in Canada, it's going to be a very unpopular position to say that a woman is simply someone who says they're a woman and should be able to compete in women's sports. But we'll see what happens. And as I said, Mr. Polyev was not really talked about gender ideology since being elected. He's under no legal obligation to adopt uh, the convention policies. Now, some of them are actually inspired by his platform, so he will likely adopt those, but those ones are not. And as, so it, it will right. be up to him and his strategists. But as you say, though, he he would ignore it at his own peril because immediately the grassroots will say, here we go again. We've got another Arono tool at the helm. That wouldn't be good. Anyway, we'll watch with interest the uh, conservative national convention taking place in, uh, I think, September 7th to the 9th in Quebec City. Ellie, always appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure, and we will be there, me and Andrew. So if you want to support our independent journalism, then visit donate.tnc.news. Donate.tnc.news. News. Fantastic. All right. Thank you, Ellie. You're welcome. Have a good weekend. You too. 
All right, when we come back, open lines, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show and your calls in three minutes. You're listening to the Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. You're listening to the Richard Serrett Show, but you can also talk on the Richard Serrett Show. And the, uh, the number to call, 289 275 9600. 289 275 9600. And um, this is probably your last opportunity to call in, um, well, before next week, certainly. But we will be coming to you live, God willing, all next week uh, as we uh, continue to broadcast live from Greece all summer long. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. I can't remember if I mentioned this yesterday. Um, I've, I've alluded to the fact that I feel so free in, uh, in Greece. And it, um, it saddens me to say this, but I, I feel more free here in Greece than I do in Canada. Uh, I mean, there's a certain degree of, uh, let's say chaos in Greece, um, they have a word for it. I'm probably going to get it wrong, but I believe the word is hamos, hamos. And, um, you know, a perfect example, we went to a restaurant, and I can't remember if I mentioned this yesterday. We went to a restaurant, we ordered uh, one of the the best places for souvlaki anywhere in the country, uh, Nikita's in Kalamata. Amazing souvlaki. Anyway, we went, we ordered, uh, it was like dinner for five people, it was 35 euros, 35 euros. And they said, we'd like to give you a gift. You can have, we'd like to give you a, uh, a bottle of wine. Uh, it's like a, like a liter of wine, big, big plastic bottle of wine. And I thought to myself, this could never happen in Canada. Can you imagine restaurants giving out free booze? <laughs> Simply wouldn't happen, but they have a very sort of laissez-faire attitude uh, towards such things in this country. Another example, we um, we went to a wedding uh, in Athens a couple of weeks ago. It was kind of a three-day event. Fantastic. Um, the first uh, day was a, a boat cruise. We went on a boat cruise. And uh, I'm thinking, you know, where's the uh, the safety instruction? Where are the life jackets? None of that. Uh, you know that we we didn't have to to, to sign any waiver forms. Uh, there was none of that. It was just come on, have a good time. Uh, the staff were you know filling wine glasses and and um, we were diving off the boat. Uh, nobody was you know haranguing us about safety this and safety that. Of course, most of that wouldn't be allowed in Canada either. It was another time I was in Athens. And I had just come from the bus station. I had my luggage with me. And um, I was looking at some properties, and uh, the real estate agent was on a motorcycle. No helmets, of course. And uh, he offered to take me to the next uh, property to view. So he said, jump on the back of the motorcycle. Here I am. I'm holding two suitcases on the back of a motorcycle, not really able to hold on very well, no helmets, and we're whipping through these back streets. And I'm thinking, again, <laughs> would not be allowed in Canada. 
uh, I said to the, uh, the real estate agent who was driving the motorcycle, I told him that. I said, this, we, we wouldn't be able to do this in Canada. And he said, ah, welcome to Greece. We live by our own rules. Another great uh, reason to visit this uh, fantastic country because they uh, they truly love their uh, their freedom. All right. We will uh, come back with the sofa cinephile. Christopher Garitano will be here. He's going to unpack the 1976 Steven Spielberg masterpiece, Jaws. That conversation gets underway in about three minutes. The Richard Serrett Show right here on Saga 960. Back to the conversation on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. The Sofa Cinephile on the Richard Serrett Show. You yell barracuda. Everybody says, huh? What? You yell shark. We've got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. Is it true that most people get attacked by sharks in three feet of water, about ten feet from the beach? Yeah. What we are dealing with here is a perfect engine, uh, an eating machine. We're not only going to have to close the beach, we're going to have to hire somebody to kill the shark. Bad fish. But I'll catch him and kill him. Did you hear your father out of the water now? This shark, swallow you whole. You're going to need a bigger boat. Uh, there you go. Jaws, 1975 American thriller film directed by Steven Spielberg, based on the 1974 novel by Peter Benchley, starring Roy Scheider, Richard Dreyfus, and Robert Shaw. And here to unpack the new 4K edition is the sofa cinephile Christopher Garitano, award-winning film and television producer and the host of the wildly popular podcast, Off to the Witch. Chris, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. And happy birthday, my friend. Hey, thank you very much. All right. So we have this killer shark unleashing chaos in this beach community, Amityville, off of... Uh, Amity. Amity, my apologies. Means yes. friendship. <laughs> <laughs> Amity, yes. I got that confused with, uh, what was that, Poltergeist? Uh, uh, Amityville uh, Horror. Amityville Horror, that's right. Uh, anyway, it's up to uh, the local sheriff and a marine biologist and uh, an old uh, seafarer to hunt the beast down. Now, uh, what... Um, what else do we need to know about this? This is Spielberg's, I think, one of his finest movies. Absolutely. And he almost backed out of it last minute because they did not have a script and they were actually shooting in May of 1974 without a script and June. And the script was being written as they were shooting. Of course, they had some, uh, obviously, storyboards, planning, things like that, and the novel to go from and the original draft from Peter Benchley, which Spielberg didn't like because he felt the characters were unlikable. Oh, interesting. Interesting. You know, what's also interesting about the film to me uh, is you don't actually see the shark a whole lot, which is quite effective. And yeah. here, I, I, just to speak on that for a second, there's a lot of banter about how the, you know, from certain film geeks and critics that say, oh, the shark is unrealistic. Oh, really? How do you think that film got as far as it did with scaring the living hell out of people mm -hmm. for so many years? Nobody said the shark looked unrealistic when I was a kid or growing up. It's a recent thing that they were talking about, because I think the people on set were worried if we were going to perceive it that way. But we didn't. Right, right. Um, 
how did the how did they uh, the the crew uh, the uh, the cast all get along? Like um, Robert Shaw, always uh, one of my favorite actors. Um, I don't know if he he comes across as kind of a surly, you know, no nonsense, doesn't suffer fools lightly guy. Um, I think it was like that in real life. Yeah, I think yeah, him and Dreyfus. I think that relationship was very real, even though. okay, so perhaps even how they warmed up to each other at the end was real as well. I think maybe they were just both strong actors that felt they needed to feel. I mean, we felt it for a reason. Someone asked me recently, why is Jaws the greatest movie ever made? Because I I say that sometimes it's hard to pin down the greatest movie ever made. But I can tell you this. It's not because there's a shark killing people. That's one aspect. It's the human relations. And one scene I pick out. Well, there's a couple. But the one scene is between Chief Brody and his son after the night, the evening after he gets slapped by Kittner's mom, you know, for for letting her son die, according to her. He's sitting at the table getting drunk, and then he starts imitating a little peekaboo thing with his son, and then he says, give us a kiss. And his son says, why? He says, because I need it. Mm. That's why Jaws is great. And then all of those scenes with the men on the boat at the end and how they relate to each other. That's why it's a great movie. Otherwise, it would just be a killer shark movie. That's right. Yes. When they're singing old sea shanties and, and, and uh, um, exchanging, you know, um, or comparing shark bite scars <laughs> and all Roy Scheider has to show his, app- his appendectomy scar. Yeah. It's so fantastic, though. All of that stuff. And you can't you can't get that in a movie by committee. It, it, you have to allow people to be to have some freedom and the director should be the one at the helm always because Spielberg's touch is what made the movie ultimately as great as it as it is. Uh, I haven't seen it in probably 15 years. Uh, how does it look now with the new 4K edition? Okay, this this is a must-have for any film collection. I have questions about you. If you say you hate or dislike this movie, I, I you have the right to hate or dislike it, but I have a feeling you don't really like good movies. And it's, so it's absolutely beautiful. The sound, picture, the best you've seen so far in 4K. And... Um, the extras are absolutely worth it. There's about three feature length documentaries on there. Wow. To learn everything there is to know about the making of that film. Yeah. Get the, yeah. Watch Jaws. Forget the rest. Forget all the sequels. Just get Jaws. I agree. It's right up there. One of the greatest movies of all time, but I will not be watching it until I get back from summer vacation. Otherwise <laughs> uh, I will repeat the major mistake. I'm rookie mistake. I made in 76 reading <laughs> Peter Benchley's novel uh, en route to Prince Edward Island. I didn't dip a, 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 a toe into the Atlantic ocean. My father was not pleased after driving 2000 miles. Terrifying. A true horror for sure. It is. And uh, how do we listen to Off to the Witch? Go wherever you find your podcasts and search Off to the Witch. This week I had a, I'd like to, you know, I like to recreate those supper time, you know, late night stories uh, that people share in families. And I found an old friend and we talked about how absolutely uh, terrifying the, the, the images on the screen seem to jump out in our real lives when we were kids in the towns of Northport, New York, a harbor town, um, Kings Park, uh, all of these little towns that we, we spent time in is parallel to a lot of the horror films we were watching as kids, and we, we kind of realized it through these conversations. So that's, that's the episode this week. Wonderful. All right. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? 
President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. That was uh, Christopher Garitano. I don't know what happened to him. He just dropped off. Anyway, uh, hour two of The Richard Serrett Show is uh, just around the corner. Uh, Lim Riddler uh, has been absent during uh, much of the summer, but we will bring the Lim Riddle back probably uh, next Friday. Uh, you know, things are a little different in the summer. Uh, but um, I know many of you have um, been wondering about that, but the Lim Riddler will be back on the program next Friday. And it's a lot of fun. If you haven't tried the Lim Riddle, it's kind of a a cross between a limerick and a riddle and uh, just, you know, bragging rights, really. If, uh, if you play along and you, um, you get the right answer, you can tell your friends you're smarter than them. But um, as I say, the Lim Riddler will be back next Friday on the program, along with uh, as we get back into the fall and the regular um, routine again, um, all of our regulars will come back. Of course, we've got... Uh, um, the Anti-Woke Book Club on Mondays, Tuesdays, we've got uh, our astronomer, uh, Chris Vaughn, the Astro Geo Guy, as we take a look at the night sky every week. Uh, Wednesday, of course, Tony Heller, uh, as we push back against the uh, cult of climate change. Uh, the rock and roll of this week in rock history has been absent for a while, but we'll get back to that as well uh, with J uh, Jeremiah Tittle. And uh, what else do we have? Thursdays, of course, we have um, Thursdays. We have In Defense of Women. And we also have, oh, that's another one that's kind of fallen by the boards over the summer. The um, Our good friends from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation uh, keeping an eye on our money. Uh, Friday, of course, the Sofa Cinephile and Greg Carrasco, another regular. He'll be with us last order of uh, business uh, in the second hour. We'll uh, probably get around to discussing the uh, comment by our dim Minister of Foreign Affairs, Melanie Jolie, saying that Canada has a game plan if the United States takes a far-right authoritarian shift, meaning if Donald Trump is elected. Uh, also in the second hour, uh, Viva Fry, a.k.a. David Freiheit, just a, a tremendous uh, broadcaster. You can catch him on YouTube, Viva Fry on YouTube, also on Rumble. And um, he's always full value when he drops by. But we'll uh, we'll talk to both Greg Carrasco and David, or Viva Fry, if you will, about um, Melanie Jolie's idiotic statement. Again, Canada has a game plan if the United States takes a far-right authoritarian shift. And then, just uh, after the news at 5 o'clock, we'll speak with Gregory Wright Stone. Uh, Gregory is the executive director of the CO2 Coalition, based in Arlington, uh, Virginia. And we'll talk about the wildfires in places like Maui 
which has just been a just a nightmare scenario, a nightmare scenario. Uh, I believe now, what is it? Um, uh, over a hundred people dead and hundreds and hundreds still missing and unaccounted for. We'll also talk about, we've got some horrible fires up here as well. Kelowna just being devastated. Uh, also, um, Yellowknife in, in, in uh, the Northwest Territories. But of course, the, uh, the climate bedwetters are claiming this is all climate change. Gregory Wrightstone from the CO2 Coalition will be here. I would imagine he will disabuse us of that notion. All right, stay right where you are. We'll be back again with the Richard Serrett Show, Hour 2, coming your way in about five minutes. Don't go away. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore! Not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Meaning we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. Welcome to Hour 2 of The Richard Serrett Show. If you missed Hour 1, you missed a lot, but uh, don't despair. Still plenty of great programming coming your way, including the great Greg Carrasco, host of The Greg Carrasco Show, heard here Saturday mornings, 8 to 11, on Saga 960. Viva Fry, David Freiheit, wildly popular YouTuber and uh, host of uh, Viva Fry on Rumble, rumble.com. And uh, we'll uh, likely talk about our idiotic uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs, Melanie Jolie, talking about uh, how Canada has a game plan if the United States veers wildly off course and, uh, you know, re-elects Donald Trump and goes far-right authoritarian. Uh, these people have absolutely no self-awareness. Donald Trump uh, was not spying on journalists. That was Barack Obama. Donald Trump uh, you know, it wasn't locking up his political rivals. That's Joe Biden. Um, you know, Donald Trump wasn't ordering mounted police to uh, plow into protesters, some of whom were elderly with walkers. That was Justin Trudeau. Donald Trump wasn't freezing bank accounts. That was Justin Trudeau. Who exactly are the authoritarians here? Uh, we'll get into that with uh, Viva Fry and uh, Greg Carrasco. All right. Um, fires everywhere. Seems like the whole planet is on fire right now. Of course, um, we had this horrible, horrible situation in uh, Maui. The uh, the death toll now there is about 110. Hundreds of people still missing after that um, fire, the worst fire in uh, more than a century in the United States, the deadliest in more than a century. And then, of course, up in Yellowknife in the Northwest Territories, um, 20,000 residents uh, have been given an evacuation order. 
Now, it seems pretty certain at this point that um, arson is involved in Yellowknife. And then, of course, we have Kelowna. Uh, the city of Kelowna declared a state of emergency last night. The uh, the fire jumped um, uh, Lake Okanagan. I don't know how that happens exactly. However, um, no uh, no loss of life so far, thank God. But the uh, the property damage is just going to be catastrophic, absolutely catastrophic. However, that's not going to stop the uh, the climate bedwetters from claiming this is all about climate change. And we're going to get into that right now. Gregory Wrightstone is the executive director of the CO2 Coalition based in Arlington, Virginia. He's a best-selling author of Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want us to know. Gregory, welcome to the Richard Serrett Show. How are you? Oh, good, good, good. Good to be on with you. There's, uh, uh, we'll get into it here in just a little bit. There's a lot of misinformation being spread about a lot of these fires. Uh, well, let's start with uh, the fire in Maui. It, it, to your, in your uh, estimation, are uh, the likely culprits still the downed power lines, or what do you think is going on there? Well, it, it's it's really the, the high winds that, that had nothing to do with Hurricane Dora. Hur- Hurricane Dora, that's, everyone seems to be spouting that. It was 700 miles to the south. It had absolutely no, or if it had any effect, it was inconsequential. Uh, There are these winds that come across the mountain from the east and sweep down the western slope of the Maui Mountains towards Lahaina. They're channeled by the valleys towards Lahaina, and they're actually called Lahaina winds. Uh, Very similar, you may have heard of the Diablo winds uh, uh, in, in California. Uh, that come down off the mountains, and they have these high, dry, hot winds uh, that, that, again, knock down power lines and things. So the source of the ignition, it does appear to be down power lines, but they were down because of this high wind. Now, these high winds, bear in mind, occur a couple or three times a year, and it seems like about once every decade they get really bad like this. Uh, they've had them in the past. In fact, there was a town just north of there, and I don't I don't recall the name of it, but it w- it was completely wiped out in 1858 in a similar manner as what happened here. Um, so I don't recall. I don't think the Hawaiians were using diesel powered canoes at the time. <laughs> uh, so you know that could not. They're calling it climate change that yes. fueled these fires, and climate change had nothing to do with it. It's it's a combination of uh, a large amount of, of dried invasive grasses. This was a huge agricultural area in this whole area for many, many, many decades. Pineapple, sugarcane, uh, and when they uh, it, the agriculture just shut down, the processing centers left, uh, and the fields that were pineapple and sugarcane now have reverted to grasslands, and these are invasive grasses. Um, if you looked at the area around Lahaina before the fire, you just see you see dry brown grasses. And, and the other misconception, it's not a misconception, it's it's misinformation, is it was caused by a climate change induced drought. The fact of the matter is, it was a very wet spring. Well, not very wet, but it was above average precipitation, uh, which again fueled the plant growth, the grass growth, uh, and. The fact of the matter is these grasses can dry out in just a couple of hours. 
it wouldn't matter if you were in a drought condition or not because these hot, dry winds can can dry them out within a period of, of, of just a couple of hours and make them ripe for you know, like kindling for a fire. Um, so these hot, dry winds come down, dry out the grasses, and it all actually grasses were already dry. But uh, even if there had been a rainstorm the day before, those grasses would have dried out quickly. Um, so with the hot, dry hot, hot, dry winds, some of these sixty miles an hour knocked over the lines, sparked the fires, and um, the rest is history. It's too bad. It's no, it's beyond too bad. Um, it's it's a tragedy. Um, and you don't want to. It's also a failure of the government to prepare. Uh, they've been warned about this. Um, they, there have been several reports. They weren't predicting a tragedy like this, but they were predicting a potential for fire damage in the Hyena area. And the CO2 coalition fire experts that we have, Jim Steele, Bob Seiback, and others, uh, their recommendations uh, were they needed to control the in the future, and they needed to do it before, and that was the recommendation by these reports, control the grasses around the town. Uh, if you've got a home out in the middle of, away from town, you better control those grasses. You know, you might want to invest in, in a half dozen goats or something like that, but control, one way or the other, control the grasses around your home, around the city. Uh, there was another, another small city nearby that was spared uh, because they had contractors with bulldozers that actually cleared ahead of the fire. They, they, they knew it was coming, and they actually used the bulldozers to, to quickly uh, clear that, the dry grasses and push it up into, away from the, the, the town that was there. And that's what they, they need to get these fire breaks away from the city. Because uh, uh, once, once the fire gets into the city, once, once one, t- one house catches on fire, the heat yes. from that one house just ignites it's so intense that it just leads to, to the house after house being consumed. The um, the issue of you know the, the bottom line this has nothing to do with climate change, right? Good. Yeah. The, the the issue of uh, you know not managing the grass uh, lands properly um, is is kind of a a, a familiar uh, strikes a familiar note because it seems that we have a similar issue in terms of forest management. Um, we, we have all of this, you know, dead wood on the ground, basically kindling that isn't, uh, you know, cleared out by control of, uh, controlled fires and so forth. I guess, um, this goes back to the whole, you know, Smokey the Bear and let's help prevent forest fires. They just, they, they went a little bit overboard, I guess, with that campaign. Is that the idea? Well, Smokey the Bear's okay, and that's probably what they need in Hawaii. A, a Smokey the well, one of the things because ninety-eight percent of the fires in Hawaii are man-made. You, a lot of these are just carelessness from people, and so Smokey the Bear could do a campaign. You know, be careful with fires because uh, you want you you don't want those uh, accidental uh, ignition sources that they have, uh, but. Smokey the Bear campaign won't won't uh, do the get rid of the source, which is too many trees per acre. It's it's uh, uh, the invasive grasses and the grasses in Canada. A lot of your fires up there were grass fires, weren't they? And they they spread. Uh, and and you have a fire season every year. Uh, but if you look at the Canadian Fire Service data, the number of fires over the last forty, fifty, sixty years have, have been declining, not increasing. I haven't seen the total for this year to probably spike up. 
but the general trend has been in decline. And we see that in the United States as well. Both the area burned and the number of fires are 20 percent of what they were 80, 90, and 100 years ago. Five times as many fires 100 years ago as today. Uh, so it's, but they don't talk about that. They don't talk about how fires are declining, not increasing. And they're declining globally as well. Uh, in my new book, I, I capture that. I have the satellite data for global fires. Uh, this shows they've been in decades-long decline. All right, we'll take a quick time out. Gregory Wrightstone is a geologist and the executive director of the CO2 Coalition in Arlington, Virginia, and uh, the author of the bestseller, Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. Back with more of our conversation right here on The Richard Serrett Show, Saga 960. Back with more in a moment. Welcome back to The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. Gregory Wrightstone is with us, geologist, executive director of the CO2 Coalition and author of Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. We're talking about all of these fires raging. Uh, Maui recently, 110 now dead, the worst fire in terms of uh, deaths in uh, over a century. Uh, But it's uh, now, of course, uh, Kelowna. We have a fire raging in Kelowna. Uh, Thousands of residents ordered evacuated. We have... uh, a fire up in Yellowknife in the Northwest Territories, 20,000 residents there ordered evacuated, although that seems to be a, a case of arson uh, in Yellowknife, according to the RCMP. I haven't heard what um, what is involved in Kelowna. Uh, it seems to me, though, uh, Gregory, that the um, I call them the uh, the global bedwetters. They salivate at an opportunity to jump on one of these uh, wildfires and just sort of politicize it and say, oh, here we go, it's global warming. What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, if you're a climate alarmist, you'd love this time of year. I mean, uh, August, early September, boy, it doesn't get any better because there are a lot, of, a lot of things going on, uh, particularly hurricanes and fires. Um, and both of those are things that you can observe. You can get camera crews right there. And man, you can blow it up. And, and what they want to do is is aggravate and instill a climate of fear. Uh, and they're doing it very well. Um, I mean, they're they make they tie everything to climate change now. Whether it's too much snow, not enough snow, too much rain, or not enough rain. Uh, they even tied how cold it was uh, around the world recently. Um, they were handing out blankets and hats in both Great Britain. In Northern Europe and the Queen of Tonga, but they don't talk about, and they're trying to. They say it's so cold because of global warming. Um, that's a head scratcher. I, I'm not sure how you get that. Um, but you're right. They 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 take everyone. Like I say, uh, the late summer months in the Northern Hemisphere is ripe for uh, abusing uh, the media, uh, abusing their their uh, journalistic uh, integrity. Uh, if they have any left, um, and again, fomenting climate change misinformation. It's 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 incredible, and we see it right and left. And uh, in my next book, I'm documenting actually the many benefits that we're seeing. The title of the new book is "A Very Convenient Warming: How Modest Warming and More CO2 Are Benefiting Humanity," and it's that's the big untold story. 
that the media doesn't want you to know. They don't want you to know that our ecosystems are thriving and prospering because of warming and more CO2 and humanity's benefiting from it. So we should celebrate that. That's the big untold story. Now there, it seems to me they're in a bit of a panic mode. I, uh, maybe they suspect that more and more people are waking up to the uh, the, the fact that this is just a, a cult, uh, because now they're using the term global boiling. Uh, what are your thoughts on the term global boiling? Well, they take these little, it, it, they, they take one little temperature reading and equate it to global temperatures. Like uh, July was the hottest ever uh, in in history. And they're looking at, at the satellite data. It is true that July does look like it was just, it may just set the record since the satellite started in 1979 for July. As I recall, there were a whole lot of Julys before 1979. And uh, many of those were hotter than what we were this year. But it's interesting that July temperatures, it looks like a lot of that was driven by Believe it or not, now if you look at global temperatures, they take te- temperatures globally. That means Arctic, Antarctica. There was a there was a heat wave, if you will, in Antarctica, and the temperature warmed up from negative seventy degrees Fahrenheit. I'm using Fahrenheit here because uh, that's what I know. I can't convert it to your right, on on the fly for centigrade for your listeners, but it was it went, went from minus seventy degrees Fahrenheit to minus thirty degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that's it's still 62 degrees uh, lower than what you need to, to melt ice. Um, and, and then it warmed up quite, quite nicely uh, not long after that. Uh, so it, was, it went from really, 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 really cold to just really, really cold. And uh, that might have been part of the reason for that. The other part driving July temperatures is a, a Pacific. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Uh, ocean event known as El Nino that occurs from mm-hmm. time to time. And we know that the El Nino events spike temperatures. We had a big El Nino in 1998, which led to a, a huge heating for about a year and a half. There's a, if you look at the temperature, 1998 was a big spike. And in 2016, there was a big El Nino. Again, we uh, up until... Uh, uh, recently, in this July, that was the, the hottest temperature. And in fact, temperatures since 2016 have been slightly declining uh, using satellite data. Um, but uh, and, and the other thing, global boiling, they, they, one of the things they pointed to was um, this extreme temperature in the Florida Keys. Uh, well, it was one buoy 
they have hundreds of buoys. They selected one in extremely shallow water water in the in the afternoon with direct sunlight during low tide. So if you can imagine, and, and bear in mind, this is the underlying the underlying uh, sediments are, are called micrite. It's a it's a dark gray. So you got this dark material, sun coming down in very shallow water. So of course it's going to heat up a lot. Um, and it just happened that one buoy heated up to a record temperature. Um, never mind that all the other buoys around them, it's hot. It's in the Keys. It gets hot every year. The water sure. does. Um, and they, they don't. But but again, they cherry pick this information, and, and then say, "Hey, look, look, look." Uh, we could cherry pick date and say, "Well, we'll look at the extreme cold." Uh, Italy, southern Italy, was experiencing extreme heat, uh, heat wave. These these occur from time to time, but at the same time, northern Europe and, like I say, the United Kingdom had had unusual cold weather. Uh, it didn't quite break records, but it was very very cold. Um, in fact, I've colleagues that I talked to over there that have been cl- complaining there's not really been much of a summer where they are. No, I mean, and they, it's the extreme cold that, that kills far more people than than uh, the extreme heat. And uh, the only way we can prevent that and, and make most of the planet hospitable yeah. is with fossil fuels. Uh, Gregory Wrighthouse, geologist and executive director, uh, Wrightstone, my apologies, Gregory Wrightstone, geologist and executive mm-hmm. director of the CO2 Coalition. And the book is Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. Uh, great speaking with you, Gregory. We'll have to have you back on. Thank you so much for your um, your uh, insights today. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. When we come back, Viva Fry, David Freiheit will be here. Stay with us. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Hey, welcome back. So apparently, Canada has a game plan if the United States re-elects Donald Trump and takes that country off the rails, far-right, uh, authoritarian, uh, unbelievable. It's it's to laugh. It truly is to laugh. Viva Fry is with us, the host of Viva Fry, of course, on Rumble, YouTube, David Freiheit. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. How you doing? Terrific. Um, <laughs> M- Melanie uh, Jolie Minister of Foreign Affairs. I said this earlier. Emphasis on the affair. I, oh, I said it again. I said it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you go, if you Google pictures of Justin Trudeau, Melanie Jolie, there are some very, very interesting images in the uh, image section of Google search engine. Yes, and we'll let people make their own uh, conclusions there. However, um, she's talking about the you know a need for a game plan if the Americans uh, you know go far right authoritarian and I to me it's just like these people have an irony deficiency or something you know this is the government that froze bank accounts um, mounted police plowing into senior citizens with walkers during protests um, I mean where do they get this nonsense from well, I mean, I would say confession through projection. I, I, I would go with, you know, the, the Joseph Goebbels uh, propaganda technique of accuse your enemies of doing what you're doing. Uh, I, at the end of the day, I think it's just it's just self-righteousness and a lack of introspection. The 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 absolute in your face irony that th- this regime, the Trudeau regime in Canada would warn about 
authoritarianism in the United States. Not just that, that they should prepare for the results of democracy in the United States to prepare for authoritarianism that would result from people, hopefully this time, freely voting for the candidate of their choice. And the accusation of authoritarianism from Justin Trudeau, who, as you mentioned, uh, RCMP'd over some elderly native ladies protesting in Ottawa, beat the ever-loving mercy out of veterans at the very same protest, froze bank accounts, sought to cancel insurance. You have Christian Freeland coming out and saying, as of today, we are authorizing banks to freeze bank accounts with full immunity. And these hypocrite tyrants have the audacity of looking at Donald Trump and calling him the authoritarian. I, it's, it's laughable, but the pro- Oh, by the way, they do this as they, as they cause news outlets to not be shared on Google and meta in uh, Google and, uh, and, and Facebook in Canada. I mean, they're they're a laughing stock to anybody who knows. The problem is, I don't. There should be more Canadians laughing or publicly mocking them than than I see. Right. And what do they think is going on with the Biden administration? You know, trying to throw his main political rival in jail. <laughs> Uh, you remember when the left had a conniption fit because some people at a Trump rally were shouting "Lock her up, lock her up." Uh, well, now Biden's trying to do it for real. I mean, when Trump won in twenty sixteen. He didn't he didn't seek uh, or sick the uh, the DOJ onto Hillary Clinton and, you know, try to and, you know, uh, lay 100 in, indictments at her feet. Uh, he just let bygones be bygones. Well, uh, well Richard, w- when he got elected, he didn't go try to lock up Hillary Clinton. But Obama, certainly in the transition, sicked his spy machine on Donald Trump. And yes. then they started their whole Russiagate thing. It, it is also the. The, the unfortunate consequences of what happens when otherwise moral political um, leaders on the global stage cease being such. You have Justin Trudeau doing what he did in Canada. You have Joe Biden locking up ideological or political adversaries or attempting to through the most weaponized judicial process. And I'll put it in quotes imaginable. And what do you think uh, people like Putin are going to say? They're going to look at Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden and say, you guys are accusing me of locking up my adversaries. You guys are accusing me of going after journalists when you're doing that and then some in your own countries. I I, I got two middle fingers to you. I mean, they they don't understand that this type of degeneracy, political degeneracy, is is a global destabilizing factor. And at the end of the day, I just don't think they care. I think they would rather reign over the chaos. They'd rather reign over the smoldering ashes of a free society than allow the people to actually have their will and be governed by the people of their choice. You, you are precisely 100% correct. Viva Fry, David Fryheit is with us. We'll take a quick time out, come back, uh, touch on uh, maybe the, uh, the wildfires in uh, Maui, Kelowna, Yellowknife. Back with uh, more of our conversation right after this. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Our good friend David Freiheit is with us. Viva Fry on YouTube and on Rumble. Hey, I was just seeing um, uh, if you've got a new Samsung TV, you can get Rumble on your TV now. Yeah, R- Rumble is coming up with the, uh, the various platforms to watch from, and it's... Uh, it's a great it's a great company and they are really reaching out to all the all the various platforms. All right. What are you, what are you, your subscriber now? What are you about 500,000, 600,000 on YouTube? I'm at 580, but 560. But I don't we don't pay attention to YouTube anymore. Rumble. I'm about at 364. And then we've got a locals platform where we have 
120,000 members of a community. So it's it's and then, you know, half a million on Twitter. So reaching a, a million plus people, assuming there's no overlap, which which there is, of course. Fantastic. All right. Um, we have a you know a horrible fires situation in uh, Yellowknife, uh, in Kelowna. Um, thank thank God, no loss of life so far. Let's hope it stays that way. But the property damage is going to be catastrophic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but getting back to the, the the fire in Maui, there are so many conspiracy theories floating around, and you know probably for good reason. I mean, we have a lot of reasons to uh, you know distrust um, public officials. Um, but of course, the biggest conspiracy, as far as I'm concerned, is the fact that the you know the the the, the climate cultists jump on these fires immediately and claim that it's um, that it's global warming. And uh, I just had uh, Gregory Wrightstone on from the uh, CO2 coalition, who I think quite nicely sort of disabused us of that notion. But what do you think is uh, I mean, what do you make of some of these theories about what's happening in in Maui that that, um, uh, you know, BlackRock and Vanguard wanted to get their their um, their hands on uh, some of this, you know, oceanfront property and so forth? The, the problem is it, there's no conspiracy theory that is so outlandish it can't be true compared to what we've seen over the last three years in COVID alone. The, the, a conspiracy theory like, oh, I don't know that the whole Russiagate hoax was fabricated would have been laughable in 2016, but we know it's true now. Uh, the idea that they would have told us it was safe and effective and prevented transmission when they knew none of those things. You know, it, these conspiracy theories have become so prevalent and so true. And the, even the outlandish ones three years ago, uh, the WEF Great Reset, we were told was a conspiracy theory. It's conspiracy fact. And so you have people now looking at what's going on in Maui. And I just had on Alexa Lavoie from Rebel News, who's in mm-hmm. Hawaii right now. Um, Vanguard and BlackRock happen to be the two biggest shareholders in Hawaii Electric, the company who owns the power lines that originated this fire. So whether or not it's conspiracy or just happy accident, um, you now have a, a, a basically a town that's reduced to absolute rubble through negligence or whatever. And then it, and, you know, the argument becomes it's so contaminated now as a result of the fire. Well, you might have to have some government expropriation. And then the Internet finds out that last month, or no, it was in January, they had a conference in Maui about, you know, having Maui become a smart city, a 15 minute city. And people start putting two and two together, not necessarily equaling the right number, but you can't accuse them of being crazy for saying a lot of these things seem too coincidental. I forget who said it, but, you know, say once is an accident, twice is a coincidence and three times is enemy action. And then you get the Associated Press coming up with their fact checks saying it's all conspiracy theory. Yeah, Maui had a a tech conference talking about how to make it a smarter city in January. And yeah, they had another one scheduled in a month from now, but it's not on Maui. It's in Honolulu. And then meanwhile, you have people looking at what might turn out to be a thousand people dead because of power lines owned by BlackRock and Vanguard. And you have stories of, of, of real estate agents coming in to ask the people of devastated land now if they want to sell. You can't blame people for coming to very nefarious conclusions, given how nefarious the government has acted over the last three years alone. Right. And, uh, you know, a lot of this property owned by sort of native Hawaiians who uh, weren't interested in selling. Uh, Meanwhile, you've got Jeff Bezos and Oprah Winfrey and Julia Roberts and Lady Gaga. who, uh, Yes. And they have these uh, properties in the vicinity, untouched, completely untouched. 
Um, Richard, yeah. it's in it's inconceivable that they did not sound the alarms, not because they were out of power or they couldn't, but because they didn't allegedly they didn't want to panic people because if they thought the alarms were being sounded for a tsunami, they would have headed up the mountains and into the fire. That's the explanation for why they delayed sounding the alarms. They delayed releasing the water, apparently, whether or not it was for a policy decision or for incompetence. They delayed releasing the water. They didn't have proper evacuation plans. They didn't even notify the people that they needed to evacuate. And. What people are supposed to just say, oh, OK, at best, it's grotesque criminal negligence. And at worst, there's something more sinister happening here. You can't you cannot blame the people for coming to this conclusion. hundred uh, percent. Yellowknife looks like uh, arson. Um, I think I think the RCMP uh, have a number of people in custody. I think uh, I, what do you think about the death penalty for arson? Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. I, I got to tell you, I, I, in my younger years, I say that as a 44-year-old man, I supported the death penalty as a younger person. Now that I see how the government can fabricate charges out of whole cloth, out of thin air, how they can frame people, I can't trust anybody with that power, certainly not the government. Uh, but serious punishment? I mean, this is, surprise, surprise, there were two, uh, a number of people arrested for arson in the Yellowknife. In Quebec, a number of them were man-made. If it's not accident, I think a few people were arrested for arson. Uh, it's it's eco-terrorism, uh, potentially, or just, you know, attempted murder. Life in prison is not an outrageous thing, especially when it results in death. But, you know, arson at that scale is not just attempted murder. It's or, you know, it's reasonably foreseeable from what they're doing. And so the punishment should should fit the crime. But I just I'm at a point now where I, I trust the government so little. I can't even trust them with the punishment. That even if I were to see it myself, I still would not trust the government to administer the ultimate penalty. What's coming up on the show, Viva? Sunday night, we got the big show. We're going to talk about the Hunter. But oh, my goodness. Did you hear about Joe Biden's uh, pseudonym? Uh, uh, yes, he's got a oh, pedo Pete. <laughs> well, no, no, no. He, now we know where the pedo Pete came from. I, I, now I forget. It's well, something, something Peters, something L. Peters is a pseudonym that he was using to receive emails uh, with his son in CC. And so now we know where the pedo Pete in Hunter's phone comes from because Joe Biden apparently was using something L. Peters as a pseudonym for emails that he was receiving discussing his son's business dealings. It's Richard. It's corruption to the bottom. It's endless. You know what this means? More indictments for Donald Trump. Absolutely. I mean, they ever, I keep telling this people, they don't understand it. Everything they are accusing Trump of having done is stuff that Joe Biden has done. Everything they accuse Trump's kids of doing. You know, they, they talk about Eric Trump as the cokehead. It, 
the PP on the hooker in the Moscow hotel. It's literally stuff that Hunter Biden has done. And so, yeah, they're going to have to have another indictment, another distraction um, until they decide that Joe Biden's not going to be the one running in 2024. Then they're going to pull the plug on Joe and, and they're going to replace him with Gavin Newsom. You heard it here. <laughs> or Michelle Obama. Uh, Viva Fry on Rumble. Viva, always a pleasure. Thank you, my friend. Thank you very much. Have a good weekend. You too. When we come back, there's something happening here with Greg Carrasco. Stay with us. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. I was waiting for that. There's something happening here. Well, why don't we get the guy to do it himself? He's here live. Greg Carrasco, host of The Greg Carrasco Show. How are you, my friend? There's something happening here. There There you go. go. <laughs> Saturday mornings, eight to eleven. I'm great. I'm great. I miss you. It's been a, a several weeks since we've been able to uh, to connect while I'm over here in Greece. And um, you, can, yeah. I can think of worse places that you can be, uh, uh, Richard. I like Canada, for example, right now. Yeah, you know <laughs> what is is really, um, really. I've come to uh, understand in in Greece and and elsewhere. It's this is you know it's such a delight to be in a country where the government treats their people like adults instead of like children. I was mentioning, you know, we went out to, uh, we ordered uh, some food at a restaurant and takeout as a gift. They just gave us a liter of wine. Here you go. Like that can't happen in Canada. Like the regulatory hoops you'd have to jump through in order for a restaurant to give away free booze. Not going to happen. Went on a beautiful boat, boat cruise we didn't have to sit there and endure like a half an hour lecture on safety and here's your life jacket and all that. People jumping off the boat. They're serving booze. A great time. They treat their people here like adults. What a noble concept. I, I still remember the days when uh, every time somebody came and picked up a brand new vehicle from the dealership, uh, we used to present them with a nice bottle of red wine. But um, it's been over 25 years now that we are unable to do that. Uh, there was a couple of organizations that started to, you know, launch some complaints about our practice. And it was it was a nice little token of appreciation here. There you go. A nice bottle of wine. You just spent fifty thousand dollars. The least that right. I can do is give you a bottle of wine. But, you know, again, you know, you got to remember that, you know, car batteries have a sign that says, please do not drink the acid inside the battery. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to tell you, but. It's um, they're they're interesting times for sure. I mean, when are you coming back? Uh, August 29th. August 29th. Well, I'm looking forward to spending some time with you in uh, uh, in, in person. That would that would be very nice. But uh, have you heard about this lady, um, Melanie Jolly, now uh, preparing this uh, game plan just in case the evil far right takes over the United States and correct all the mistakes of the crazy left? You know, she's uh, you know, she's breathless with worry, and she wants us to be worried, too, that uh, the bad orange man comes back into power. And I, I'm pretty sure he will, despite all the indictments. Yeah, that the uh, all of a sudden we have to worry about authoritarianism rearing its ugly head like th- these people have no no sense of irony. Uh, who do they think, you know, were trampling on people's rights? Was Donald Trump throwing people in jail, freezing bank accounts? Uh you know, uh, uh, telling people that, uh, you know, if they weren't vaccinated, they had no business being on a plane or a train. That wasn't Donald Trump. That was our crime minister. 
It was our favorite uh, dictator. Um, the you know, Mister Mister Trudeau seems to have some severe case of convenient or selective uh, memory, uh, because clearly everybody else is uh, is an authoritarian regime except him. Uh, you know, meanwhile he. Uh, he from an ethics standpoint, he is the absolute worst prime minister that we have ever had. And, and, and simply with the overreach of power over the last three or four years is uh, it's something that I, I'm surprised that they even bring it up, uh, that they are pushing against authoritarian regimes elsewhere. Meanwhile, uh, we have the most restrictive Canada that we've ever seen, at least in the last in the 35 years that I've been lucky enough to, to live here. Um, it's not so free anymore. Uh, it's, it's not so free. It's so free in, in as far as uh, we don't disagree with the government. And there is where this ideology of diversity loses me, Richard, because we have, you know, diversity of food, of culture, of sexual orientation. We have diversity, everything, everything except diversity of thought. If you in any way, shape or form, <laughs> your thoughts, you know, diverge from what the actual government wants you to think, all of a sudden you are, you know, obviously you're a contrarian, but more so you are a far right extremist white nationalist. How can, can you be a white nationalist without being white, Richard? <laughs> Have you been accused, Greg, of being a, of being a white nationalist? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have been. I have been. It's, it's actually hilarious because uh, considering that my heritage is 50 percent Native American, you think, uh, uh, what is it about my complexion that gives it away? But uh, I, I, I find it fascinating that uh, our Minister of Foreign Affairs, instead of trying to establish bridges between the countries, uh, she is already going in, in an anti-conciliatory uh, you know, campaign against a president that hasn't even been elected yet. You know, right, that's right. how yeah. that's how much of that's how much fear Donald Trump puts into the into the into the pants of the of the communists that are, seem to be taking over Canada. Uh, but I can tell you, man, if Donald Trump is a far right, what does that make us? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even want to think about, you know, uh, about about that. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere right of Attila the Hun, I suppose. Um, but the idea that that they think Trump is authoritarian. Meanwhile, what's going on there under Joe Biden? Uh, you know, sicking the FBI on parents uh, who show up at a school board meeting and maybe get a little hot under the collar because they don't like pornography being peddled to their uh, their children in school uh, and the like, uh, or, you know, uh, threatening to, jo uh, to, uh, to jail his chief political rival being Donald Trump. If if what's going on with Biden's administration is an authoritarian, I don't know what is. Well, in in and on top of that, Richard, I mean, the 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 intentional obfuscation and obstruction of all this information that's coming out of the Ukraine and the corruption of the Biden family. I mean, this this stuff that's happening with Hunter Biden is, is something that you would think and you see in the movies. But this is actually happening right now. Even the last indictment that just came out of, um, what was the last, um, what did it come out? Was it Georgia that just came out yes, against yes. Donald Trump? Yes. Uh, that was to obscure what was uh what was happening with Hunter Biden, you know, uh, an attorney was not given special um, prosecutor uh, privileges just so they couldn't go after Hunter Biden and against all the things that they found about him. But, uh, you know, it, this is all part of a bigger play, Richard. And uh, unfortunately for, for the people on the left, all, all this, you know, so-called conspiracy theorists, um, everything seems to be turning out to be true these days. 
So I would be very, very careful with calling a conspiracy to something that is being talked about on on someone that just simply disagrees with the government. But, uh, you know, speaking of uh, uh, parents being threatened to be jailed for um, opposing pornography, tomorrow morning on the Carrasco Show, we have uh, Thea Shoemaker from uh, homeschoolingreadyornot.com. So we're going to be talking about homeschooling uh, and what the, the the absolute benefits are. I mean, if if, if people knew what we see now and, and the North American school system, Canada included, it's a, it's a factory for activists. That's all it is. Nothing more. Get them out no. of school. Teach them yourself. There- they're indoctrination camps. And, um, well, the elementary school uh, teachers union are uh, gearing up for another strike this fall, perhaps. So uh, if that doesn't convince more and more parents it's time to homeschool, it's not for everybody. But if you're if you're at all able uh, to homeschool, I always encourage people to, to seriously consider it. It's uh, the best thing you could ever do. Uh, wow. Greg Carrasco, Saturday mornings, 8 to 11 on Saga 960. Greg? Always a pleasure, my friend. I love you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. That is it for me. My thanks to Jody, Jacob, and Ryan, and Mike Carafalitis for traffic. Be sure to listen every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. all summer long as I come to you from Greece. Brought to you by the Cretan Dream Resort and Spa. You could win a seven-night stay at this incredible, luxurious five-star resort on the island of Crete. Go to saga960am.ca. And my show page for contest rules. And of course, listen every Monday after the news at 5 p.m. for the all important Greek word of the week, which you'll place in the contest entry form. And uh, also check out our Instagram page at Saga960 for uh, pictures of the uh, resort, the Cretan Dream Resort. I'll be back to do it all over again next week, God willing. I'll speak with you on Monday at 4 p.m. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you Monday afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.